Awareness is curative. So one of the first steps to being able to make any change is literally just being able to have someone hold that mirror up and have you realize, oh shit, that's, that's happening. And do I want it to stay this way? Hi everyone, welcome back to the Stay Hungry podcast. I've got a special guest for you today, Louis Calvert, and we're going to be talking about how to reach peak performance. Louis, this episode has been a long time coming. It has. How is it going? Yeah, good man. How about you? I'm all good. Thank you very much for having me on. And uh, yeah, I've been been looking forward to getting this one in. It's been about six months, maybe. Maybe, maybe longer. Yeah, maybe longer in the brewery. It was in 2020. No, it must have been longer. It was in 2022 when we first booked this in to, yeah. to happen. Yeah, sure. we, we were literally sat in a restaurant slash club in Glasgow talking about it. So um which sounds really weird, but we had actually been at like a, a business event. We weren't just pissing about. So for the uninitiated, which is what I always say to guests, um, tell us who you are and what you do. Yeah. So I am Louis, uh, Louis Calvert, and I am a peak performance coach, mainly for men, uh, mainly for men in business as well. The way that I got to this place um, initially started off as fitness coach. I'll, I'll skip the 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 past story right initially started off as a fitness coach built my online business to a place where i was happy with mm -hmm. and i got to this point where i'd and, and joel knows his story but got to the point where i had built my business to six figures I'd, I'd got over to dubai i was living there right i was living the life that i really thought i wanted and um i got to this point and i started to get very distracted lots of drinking lots of one night stands and um all of the things that often one does when they lose purpose yeah what i realized was i was um i had been i had been driven just by insecurities up until this point and once mm -hmm. i got to these nice round numbers and these nice like ideals that i had created for myself all of those insecurities started to quiet down a little bit and um, I started to fall off. I wasn't so driven anymore. And that put me down a path of understanding purpose. Yeah. Uh, I realized that was the final thing that I was missing. I went, joined a men's group, uh, looked at this from like a spiritual spiritual angle, went all the way over to Mount Shasta in California and uh, went on a men's retreat and all these kind of things going deep in this. Looked at this from a, a neuroscience angle as well and got real deep into peak performance which has a huge overlap into purpose and vision as well is what i found out and um now that's basically what i help guys with um we call it peak performance coaching but a lot of it is actually down to purpose and vision too because mm. without that we're just trying to be better to no exact end and it's very hard to optimize for something that we haven't defined so that's me in a nutshell Bush. so you said uh operating from insecurities whilst you're in dubai what what do you mean by that because i think there's a lot of business owners listen to this podcast and i would suggest there's quite a few business owners operating from insecurities listening to this podcast so what do you mean so it's funny i think when i look back at my life because one of the things in 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 my coaching one of the frameworks we use is the peak performance pyramid where we call it man mind and mission yeah and when i look back on my life I went through each of these phases and looking back, it was all driven by insecurity, right? So the first, the first instance was the man. 
Yeah. I was skinny. I was shy. I could barely talk to my own family. And the first thing um, that I did to kind of step out of that was I got into the gym and I started trying to get as big as possible. And it worked. I, I got seen, you know, locally as, oh, that's the, the big guy, at least naturally, right? Yeah. And I became completely obsessed with, with that. You know, I was I, I felt super anxious if I was to miss any any session. Every single food was every single bit of food was tracked. And I just thought this was normal. I thought I was dedicated until COVID hit. And once lockdown happened and I was taken away from the gyms and I just had like 17.5 kg dumbbells to play around with in the garden, I realized that all of this kind of discipline was actually built on being so worried that if I wasn't a muscular man, if I wasn't sticking to these tiny, tiny little intricate details, that I wouldn't be lovable, right? I wouldn't be enough, basically, is what the um, what the fear is. And that started to to, to strip that fear away because I just had to get thrown into the deep end and I couldn't train anymore. Yeah. And that was, it like unlocked, it unlocked things for me. Then I didn't have to worry about training anymore and I could do it for fun and not because of like this fear of like, shit, what happens if I don't do this? And then that took me onto the business building um, which basically started the whole thing again, right? Throughout my life, I felt like I, I may have had a chip on my shoulder because I never thought I'd amount to much, but neither did anyone else. So when I thought, when I realized, oh, this could this could actually work, you know, I um, I really started to think I'm going to prove these guys wrong. Yeah. And I had that idea: six figures that that will prove them wrong. Living abroad that will prove them wrong. Dubai will definitely prove them wrong. So this was the thing that was driving me and now if i look at both of these journeys i was just as obsessed and disciplined in the business as well didn't want to miss one thing relationships um you know fell to to the side and actually was completely ruined because of this kind of drive as well until the point where i hit these these kind of made up places made up things that i needed to hit to prove them wrong even though i don't even know who i was trying to prove wrong and that's where the a complete like 180 happened in terms of my drive that's when I started to work with um, a mindset coach of my own and really start to dig into this stuff. And and honestly, I, I would I only paid this mindset coach because I thought it would make me more money at the time. Mm. And working with him, um, I think he's a therapist, working with him was something that really made me realize how one-dimensional I had become and yeah. how so much of this was driven from just the fear of not being enough. Yeah, that's really interesting. And I think... So there's a lot of people in business, and we talk about this a lot on the podcast, a lot of people who are successful in business or successful in sport who've had maybe significant trauma or difficulties in their life. And so a lot of their motivation or what they would call motivation comes from either getting away from that trauma or fear. So like, I'm going to do everything in my power to not go through that again or proving that thing wrong. Mm. Now I know that I built an in even to sort of co-break 2.0, let's say, so co-break post-COVID, I built my business through exactly the same. It was like, I'll fucking show them. Like, watch this. And when people said I couldn't do something, I'd come back the following week and be the best person at it. Like that that was my mentality. But it was very finite. I would be tired. I'd be I'd sort of lack self-care, lack um kind of self-appreciation because i was doing it like you say to prove them wrong and i didn't like i didn't know who they were either and i've still got this about me now you know that it's a 
something you have to practice and practice and practice but very often like an easy way to get into my head at the time would be to tell me I couldn't do something and you sh- there's not many people that should be able to derail you like that you shouldn't it shouldn't be so easy that some random person who barely knows you could say oh I bet you can't climb that wall and then you climb a wall twice as high to make the point. And like, it's fucking stupid. <laughs> so you started working with a mindset coach. How did you then flip that kind of on its head? Because, you know, you're deep in it at this point. You're in Dubai. You've got yourself stacked. You're uh, enjoying what most blokes of your age at the time would have thought is a pretty ideal life. And then suddenly it's dawned on you. It's all a bit one-dimensional. Mm. Yeah. So I think it was a slow, well, it definitely was a slow process, right? Even when we're, when we're doing the deep work with, with this um, therapist, you don't just walk away and like, it's gone. Mm. One of the biggest things and now, one of the things that I'm always saying in my own coaching now is awareness is curative. So one of the first steps to, to, to being able to make any change is literally just being able to have someone hold that mirror up and have you realize, oh shit, that's, that's happening. Mm. <laughs> oh, that's happening. And do I want it to stay this way? And then as we can start to bring that, that awareness up around what the actual thing is that's happening, right? Okay. I'm being driven by, by this that might not be, might not be okay. And then in the moment, being able to see what's often kind of the, the moments where, you're acting in this way and being able to stay conscious and being able to then know how do I want to act instead is, is part of that process of changing it. Right. But for me personally, as I was doing this and, and I'm, and I'm sure some listeners will probably think this as well. Maybe you think this as well. I was also worried about losing it, mm. you know, like, like it is powerful. It does. It does. The, it did the job up until this point. Right. So I was like, what happens if I do lose the, um, the drive, because this is great. I, I, I'm so locked in. I'm so dedicated. And one of the things that I found, I think this is going to be really helpful. And, and I wonder if you felt this as well, is yes, this kind of like dark, um, you know, uh, energy to drive towards something is very powerful. But you had a really good point there. Other people are controlling you almost. Mm. It's actually at the it's it maybe it's it's to get back at someone or something but actually they're controlling you then but also it really stiffens you is the way that i would put it because as i was working with this uh, therapist a lot of this could liken back to my boxing journey when i was younger when i was younger and i was boxing um i could have been really good i came from like a family of boxers my dad was a boxer my uncle was a boxer he was the one that actually um created the gym that i was boxing in and as a young boy, the only, for me in my stupid young boy mind, the only way that I was kind of getting love and affection and everything from those guys, the, the guys in my life, because I didn't feel very manly when I was younger, um, was through being a good fighter and was mm. from boxing, right? So there was, in my own mind, the stakes were huge. The stakes were so high. If I if I do bad in boxing, I'm get, or even if I get punched, I was so afraid of getting punched, then I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough for them. And what happened was on the pads, I was great. On the, on the bags, I was great. As soon as it came to sparring or fighting, I was so stiff that all of the goodness went out and all yeah. I was doing was trying not to get hit. 
And what I've realized through working with this um, hypnotherapist as well is the same thing was happening in business. Yeah. Because of the insecurities, the stakes were so high. If I don't do this, all of those people were right. I failed. That I was so stiff and rigid, you know, which meant in business, I, I wouldn't be creative. I wouldn't step outside of the box. I wouldn't even think for myself. I'd follow my mentor to the to the nth degree, but I would do nothing else, right? And what I found is once the insecurities started to to evaporate just a little bit, and they're probably still there, right? But but parts of them started yeah. to have even even hold. just being aware of them. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, as they started to have less of a hold of me, what I realized, and this was life changing for me actually, what I realized was oh, I can go and do what I want now, you know? So yes, these insecurities are really, they really will drive you, but they will also get you really stuck in a box because you're so afraid to shake the boat. Yeah. Because you're like, well, I really would love this, but if I shake this boat, you know, all of the, the stakes are so high and things might come crumbling down. So it gave me looseness to play within my business and actually now create something that's, probably really weird within my business and what I do compared to other people, but also completely aligned with the life that I want. Yeah. So, yeah. Hopefully that, that, that quiets the the worries of someone that does feel like the insecurities actually help them. Yeah. It's, it's so huge when, when, because most insecurities are born out of what you think other people think of you generally, like they were, or, or they'll be born out of thinking people maybe don't like you or whatever it might be. You're essentially letting the tail wag the dog. And in a business sense, and I see this all the time with our clients, they're so emotionally attached to the to the result that their client's going to get that the tail starts wagging the dog, that they forget to almost do what they're meant to do because they're, they're so caught up in the process. And, you know, I've certainly experienced that myself where I'm so worried about letting someone down that I let them down and it's like and then that moment you take a breath and you start doing what you need to do to look after yourself and kind of be a more rounded individual a lot of this stuff comes a lot easier and uh, I mentioned to the team today that we were talking about um, you know every client's got a destination or a goal or a, a metric they're looking at it's just really important that they know that the road to get there isn't straight and and so you've got to be fluid you've got to be flexible you've got to expect the rough with the smooth and so when you're talking to like I know you work with a lot of a lot of business owners and ambitious ambitious men when you're talking to them and I can imagine a lot that come through the door to work with you in the first place are pretty rigid Mm. how how do you kind of chip into that so it's funny because every almost everyone that I'm working with they have they will join me because they want to be basically getting more stuff done that's like the big in, the big fear is that they're not moving quick enough they're mm. not getting enough stuff done or there's certain areas across man my mission that they feel is holding them yeah. back and it's all driven by that it's like oh, i'm not doing enough you know and honestly in our first conversations that's enough for me to know but i know that it's not enough yet for them that they we need to dig deeper into that once we get working together yeah. to actually to, to un, 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 uncover things because what we'll often find is guys are giving them a re- themselves a really hard time because they're not doing enough or they don't feel like they're good enough in their time management or all of this kind of stuff or they're not productive enough but they've not actually defined what productive enough is they've yeah. not actually 
defined what good enough is. They've not actually defined what enough is in their week, in their month, in their day. And they're just feeling like they should do more. And when we actually look into it, they don't actually know what they want a lot of the time. They might have some, they might have a, a vague idea, but they don't actually know, as you just said, the destination, right? They don't actually know the clear destination with a clear timeline of where they want to get to. Yeah. So one of the biggest things, because often the first thing that we'll look at is that it's like, okay, let's just get, let's get some quick wins and let's get you moving quickly. Right. It is, well, let's quiet all of this noise down, making you feel like you need to be doing more and all of this by actually deciding what would be enough. Yeah. What actually is enough. Right. And that starts with, well, right now we're literally just about to go into the final quarter of the year. So for, if we was in this conversation now, it would start with, well, what's the main thing that needs to happen before the end of the year? What do we need? What's the outcome that we want to achieve? And then actually working backwards from that and not worrying so much about how much we're getting done in within a day or within a week or anything else without knowing what we're trying to optimize for. Because that's the biggest thing I always say is that we can't optimize for something that we haven't defined yet. Yeah. And that's too many entrepreneurs are actually trying to do is optimizing their days, optimizing their weeks, but without knowing to what end. Yeah, yeah. So they're trying to squeeze as much in as possible. Yeah, so it, it, there's so many, you know, it's like the Dell boy, this time next year, Rodney, I'm, we're going to be millionaires. Mm. And that actually is far more defined than most than most yeah. entrepreneurs actually get. It's like, oh, yeah, I, I want to build a seven. It's got a timeline, it's specific, it's binary, they've yeah. done it. <laughs> so, oh, like, you know, I want to be a seven-figure business owner. Right, okay. Do you mean, do you mean pounds, dollars, like... Lira, like what, what we're working with here, okay, and when? Well, I was thinking it'd be nice, you know, to be able to retire at 55. Okay, well, you're 37 now, so that gives us 18 years. What are you going to do in two years? I don't know. What are you going to do in five years? don't know. What are you going to do in 10 years? I don't know. Right, okay, well, like, you don't run your business like this, so why do you run your mind like this? It's, like, really interesting. So what would you say is kind of like when you're getting into this kind of work with with it's men in your case but people who really have a a real need to perform they really want to be efficient they really want to make the best of their time they really want to be the best human they can be what what's the kind of main objections you hit early doors Mm. objections yeah like what like what are the kind of because everyone likes to think they want to be the best human they can be right yeah and then I'd say when you dig into that, not everyone does, is, is the honest truth. Um, and then when you dig a little bit deeper, some people get quite uncomfortable with what they're going to need to do to get there. So what kind of objections come up in that? Well, I think the fir- first things first, I think a lot of people have this desire of being the best human being they can be in any way, shape or form. But they try and do it by consuming more and more in- information and doing the same thing a lot of the time or ho- or hoping things change on them, their own, right? Yeah. So I think step number one is is making sure, well, here, here's my philosophy when it comes to personal development and becoming that, that, that best person, right? You cannot just learn your way to it and way too many people are trying to do that. And one of the things that they're trying to do is squeeze in as many podcasts in, I know that you're listening to a podcast now, but as many podcasts in, as many books in, as many audio books, many YouTube videos and all of that in as possible thinking, this is it. I've listened to three hours of uh, Andrew Huberman now. There's no, there's no going backwards. When in reality, that's 
part of the reason why a lot of guys, or a lot of people end up being so overwhelmed is just cognitive load is so high they're making themselves yeah. feel like they do so much so the first thing is defining what we actually want which i know i said before but this truly is personal development to me so personal development to me and this is my my one of my core philosophies is when we can set a goal that's bigger than your current self right now and you have to expand to meet it yeah and the and the rest happens on the journey and you will learn still and there's nothing wrong with learning like i'm always reading books and i love it but the real the real journey happens once we're once we're actually putting one foot in front of the other right mm. so to the person that wants to be the best person that they can be first of all is defining well what does the best person that you can be achieve because it's going to be different for everyone right what does the best person that you can be achieve over the next three months over the next six months over the next year whatever timeline is going to be best for you and your goals but if you were the best person right now what would you be able to achieve because just a little side note way too many people set mindset goals which don't really do anything you know i'll have i'll have i'll have a uh, sometimes i'll have a conversation with people um that are joining and, and we're working together and they say oh one of the things i really want to work on is my all or nothing mindset and they would be happy to leave it at that and lots of guys would be happy to do yeah. lots of coaches would be happy to leave it at that okay over the next 90 days we're going to get you out of your all or nothing mindset but the reality is it's really hard to optimize for it's really hard to to make anything tangible so you we need to have okay if i was out of my all or nothing mindset what would my what would i then be able to achieve what would my life then look like we take the tangibleness of that and then we set that as the goal yeah so coming back to main point this person they want to be the best person they want to be the best person that it can be we need to define if you were the best person that you could possibly be over the next 6 months what would you have by the end of those six months what would the outcome be let's make it specific let's make it measurable and let's make it binary as well which means we can get to the end and either say yes or no it's done mm. and then we fully we fully delve into the actual journey of being able to get there we work backwards we set the plan of what we expect is going to be able to get us there or not and this is where coaching or having some sort of mentor or some sort of advisor is so uh, perfect it's it's when you've set these goals and then you come across barriers that's when the real growth happens that's when you can get coached through these these challenges just learning things for the future doesn't work as well as when we're in that problem and we can get coached out of it and then we have to become that person on that journey anyway and this this happens to me with one of my clients who he runs a huge uh not huge he, he runs a big um physiotherapy uh, studio um, employees, everything like that. And over the 90 days that we worked together initially, he said that he became, he, he was able to, to build this business from the ground. He just got the investment and then he was able to build it from the ground and get everything going. He was also, he also said that he was able to be the best, um, dad and husband that he had ever been and have his, have the best structure that he had ever, uh, that he had ever had in his entire life within this 90 day period. And that's because we started with the end in mind of you, you want to be having your business to this to this place while being able to do this in your family, while being able to do this um, every single week within your relationship and while having this much time for training and everything else within your structure. And then we actually was able to work towards that. Often what a lot of people do is they just set the kind of the, the, the structure and the relationship goal, right? I want to be the best in my relationship over the next 90 days. I want to be the best in my structure. And 
it's it's easy to say that, but often we stay at our normal level until we are forced to expand to meet something, mm. right? So it's often putting new things in that forces us to be better at the structure, for example. So set that big goal, the thing that you would achieve if you were the best possible you right now, and then that will force you to expand to meet it. Or along the way, you might, as you said, that there may be objections within yourself on the way. You might realize this isn't actually worth the pain, which is mm. fine. And you you might choose not to get there. For me right now, I, I used to be so hard on myself dieting and I used to be absolutely perfect. Now it's not worth the pain for me. I don't care enough. I've, I've had this year, I've had a couple of times where I've tried to diet, um, started to track. And then I thought, well, I don't like tracking as much as I like the apps. <laughs> I don't care enough. And, and, and now, and that's fine by me. And it should be fine for everyone else as well. It, it's not that you're a failure. You've tried something and you just don't want it enough. And that's absolutely fine. And that's life stages as well, right? That like, yeah. you know, there's there's a time where there's things you'll want that you just won't want later in life and that's okay you don't have to beat yourself up about that Mm. so you've defined kind of uh you've defined of your client what it is that they want but also what that looks like for them when they have it so you know let's say it is the uh all or nothing thinking and that actually when they when they can kind of see the nuance in life and start to see that actually sometimes a failure isn't actually a failure that that then unlocks a better relationship with their partner or a better relationship with their children or they're nicer to their staff or they give themselves more time off whatever it might be once they reach that obviously they're then they're on the journey how do you then start to unlock peak performance well i i stick with the same the same philosophy right so yeah. peak performance the 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 reason why it's really annoying word is because it's it's so vague isn't it mm. like it, it can mean so many things and it sounds very finite right it sounds like it's like there is a peak it, there's it. a pinnacle yeah yeah exactly whereas you know like i think einstein said it right like um about the the fish is clever until it has to climb the the tree like yeah, the fish, yeah. The peak performance when it's in the water but take it out of the water and it's not so much of a peak performer anymore so peak performance in, in, a, in a broad sense, it is getting your biology and I think your mind to work with you rather than against you as much as you as, as much as absolutely possible, right? So getting every single thing in line with you and what you need to achieve. So for me, I always start my like a client's peak performance journey or event or if there's a short term goal, we'll get that first. But one of the biggest parts is purpose. Yeah, I think that's hugely important. I know you guys do as well having that north star because otherwise we can we can we can try and work towards peak performance as much as we like which is without the purpose and everything else it's it's most people just read that as um trying to be as productive as possible trying to be as like time management yeah. as possible and trying to be as anal as possible basically um but for no so reason that, yeah yeah exactly for no reason we just like just for the ego of like i'm getting so much done yeah, well, yeah it's it's always either ego or because society tells us that's what we have to be, and yeah, um, and, uh, yeah like some of the most, well, some of the most successful people that have ever walked this planet were incredibly lazy. Yeah, but because they were lazy, they were very good at getting to outcomes because they needed to get there quickly. And when you think of it like that, that's really weird because obviously being lazy, so supposedly, is a bad thing. But yet those people achieved a lot. So you need to get really 
clear on your why and your purpose and drive towards that as a motivation because then everything else makes sense yeah and 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 just on that point as well when it comes to laziness probably everyone listening to this is like fuck but i'm not lazy you know one of the things that that can give us that artificially because it's so true right like the lazy person finds the efficiencies on how to actually do anything yeah yeah is building your life and business around constraints yeah which i think is really really useful the problem with probably well me most of the time probably you probably everyone that's listening as well is often the thing that we've committed to the most is our businesses yeah is our work um, and, it, and it probably is the thing that we value very highly on the stack of values, right? And often it can take precedent over everything else. So when it's the biggest thing that we've committed to, it takes over our mind or we've given it permission to take over our mind, to take over our uh, calendars and to take over our time completely. Mm-hmm. So, build, so building your life backwards around constraints can be such a powerful tool to actually get that get that feeling of like, uh, efficiency back in the day because m- what most people do is they try and be more and more productive um more and more efficient getting tasks done just simply quicker hoping that that's the thing that gets work done quicker so they have more free time yeah the reality is most of the time all that does if your life is set up in a way where you haven't got where, where you're super busy most of the time all of that does is it speeds up the conveyor belt of work and there's just more because anyone listening we've we've all got unlimited to-do lists there's always more to do so instead we need to start to build our life around constraints constraints that we choose and constraints that we want our life to be built around so one small one for me and this is going to be you know date nights uh days off on on Sundays and Saturdays a half day on Wednesday, one of mine, I've got, I've just recently started kickboxing again. Mm-hmm. Um, well, kickboxing was, was, is a new one. I was boxing, but kickboxing now, 7.30 um, Thursdays and Tuesdays. And that for me has been a really good constraint that part of me still thinks, shit, like, cause I'll usually work up until that. Yeah. Shit, how am I gonna, is this gonna work? But very quickly, you have to make it work. Yes, that's what happens, right? So you're forced to look at your day and delegate better. You're forced to eliminate and prioritize, lubricate things, systemize things, automate things to make sure that you can stay within these these time limits, right? Yeah, I love that. Like my like my to do list is it could potentially be pages long, Uh, and, and generally on any given day, there's probably 15 things on my to do list. But at the start of every day, I pick three. Mm. and that's my that's my constraint rule I actually worked with you on that but that's mm. where I'm like right pick the three most important things if you get those done you've made progress and then it's a case of right okay if there's more than three important things on the list like you said then it's like about delegation it's about time management it's about not over promising to people because if I've got nine really important things on my list I've actually done something wrong it's like something's out of balance and then mm. all the other little things, like if you're in business and you're not scheduling regular date nights with your partner, you're missing a trick because those things won't happen unless you schedule them in. If you're um, in business and you're not exercising, that is going to come back to bite you. So you but, but if you don't schedule it in, it won't happen because you're always going to default back to the business being the most important thing 
And I'm not saying emotionally the most important thing or health-wise the most important thing. It's just going to naturally be your priority. It was a big leap to go into business on your own in the first place. You are going to naturally fall back to there. So unless you give yourself positive constraints, you're going to end up in a, in a real pickle, to be honest. Yeah. And what do you think is going through their heads when they're not booking this stuff into their week, when they're not booking in the training or the date nights or anything else that they know they probably should be doing? Usually, I, I would say for business owners, it's a fear of letting people down or a fear of letting themselves down. Mm. So, and that, and that again is going back to doing things from a place of insecurity rather than from a position of power. So, you, you kind of falling back into childlike traits of, oh, I must do this. Well, why? Why must you? Like, who's decided that? Or, yeah. like, um, so and so has paid me a lot of money, so they must they must expect it quickly. And it's like, well, did you promise it them it quickly? Because maybe they paid you a lot of money because they thought you were the best, and so therefore they're expecting to wait. But you haven't put any constraints in that relationship in place, and therefore now you're making assumptions. Yeah. And a lot of that stuff, it it just comes back to like a real poor amount of discipline on prioritization, and and most people have that. Most people just think they need to get as much done as they can in the time they've got, and then they yeah. forget like it's really important to show up for your kid's birthday or to like yeah. take your wife or your husband or your your significant other out or like like for me, like a massive one for me, it's really important that I take my dog for a walk where I'm fully present and the dog enjoys it. That's really important because the dog mm. needs the exercise, and I should have a connection with my dog now that might sound ridiculous. But if I just run him around the block because I've got a busy day ahead, that day will not go well. Yeah, I, I think I think something that's always present as well in the back of people's minds definitely has been in mine. I wonder if it was in yours as well. Is is the you know it's it's a one week and maybe they're listening now and they're thinking I probably should do this, but I'll do it next month. I know things are going to calm down a little bit next month, oh, or I'll do yeah. it once. You know, I'll do it once I've made these sales, or I'll do it once this. I'll do. We always think that this gonna we're gonna turn a corner and things are gonna get easier. I've got a theory, and I've not, you know, I don't know if this is true or not, but just from my conversations with people and myself, my own experience of being that person too, I have a feeling similar to happiness that everyone's got a certain level of busyness that they will always be. Yeah. Right. So out of time, I might be a an eight, you might be a nine. Um, you know, out of 10, we've got the same amount of busyness that's always present because we just seem to fill our time with something or our minds because every bit, all busyness is made in the mind anyway. It's how we're kind of perceiving things. I can sit in this exact same chair and feel completely calm or completely busy, but nothing in the room's changed. It's yeah. how I'm perceiving everything. And I, I've found that I've always been just as busy. When I was making a thousand pound a month, when I was growing that, when I was making nothing, I've always felt just as busy once I became an adult or became an entrepreneur, right? So I really think that we're never going to get to that point of less busyness. We have to create our life now with the constraints that we want to yeah, have. Yeah, 100%. do all of the other things. And, and what I've found from people, for myself, I'm sure you found this as well, is when we can start to have clear constraints of when you start and stop work, also when you sleep and everything else, but when you start and stop work, on where your work blocks are, which then it gets fun because then we can start to optimize those for flow and everything else. Yeah. But where your where your work blocks are and how long it's going to be, 
you start to you start to work in sprints and not in jogs. Most people think they work in sprints, but most people really don't. They they they're kind of half focused here, half focused there. They don't even work in jogs. They don't even yeah, work yeah, in jogs. Like, slow, slow. Obviously, this is called the Stay Hungry Podcast. I call clients out on how busy they think they are all the time. And they're like, oh, but I've got so much going on. We've all got fucking so much going on. Mm. And like, yeah, most people work at a snail's pace. And it's it, it's a brutal truth. It, it, it And it's rife in the UK that you can like go... Go 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 to a building site and ask what it's been like for them since Brexit when they can't um, they can't recruit from other parts of Europe anymore, and they'll be like, oh yeah, productivity is really slowed down because we naturally work at a methodical, plodding pace because that's what we were taught at school. That's that's what's ingrained in us. Where other cultures have this thing of like when when we're on the job, we fucking work and we work until we can barely stand but we clock off at five and we have a hell of an evening. And, mm-hmm. it, it, you know, you know, like e- even like not necessarily Eastern Europe, but Spain, Italy, they finish at five. They're still out having dinner and drinks at one in the morning because they work hard. They play hard. It's a different culture. And so I'll, I'll sit with a client and be like, look, I promise you, you can get everything that you're currently doing done in a day. Mm. And I'm like, that gives you four days if, if we're giving them the weekend off, if we're being kind, that gives you four <laughs> days for sales and marketing. And they're like, what, what are you talking about? I'm like, I promise you, I promise you it's that's, that's the truth mm. of the situation. And I'm not saying I'm perfect at it. I know it, that having a long list is like a really bad habit because the tendency with a long list is to start ticking off the easy tasks first. Well, the easy tasks should never have made it onto my list in the first place. And so, mm. like, my day is meant to be hard. That is the responsibility of the business owner. I should be doing two or three of the most challenging tasks, usually revenue-generating tasks. But it's so easy for anyone, me included, to find myself, oh, I'll just tidy this bit of the website up, or I'll just see if there's a better supplier for the for the water, or <laughs> like all these things <laughs> that, like, someone else should be doing. And, yeah, like, what... How do you get people to realize that although they're busy, that doesn't mean they're efficient? Well, the thing is, just what was coming up for me as you were saying that as well, is everyone's experienced the truth in what you was just saying because everyone's also experienced the opposite, right? Yeah. Everyone's experienced those moments and it's always when we've got deadlines and fuck, we've got to get this thing done before the end of the day or before tomorrow or anything. When, and, and how many people have you heard, like, you know, back in like uni days and stuff, they was able to do their dissertations in like, in moments. One, one night, yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. You wrote 10,000 words in a night, yeah. <laughs> it shows you the potential. And it's because we've got the urgency, we've got the risk of not of it not being done, and we've got the constraints. So the, the that is why we want these constraints and we want to almost have these artificial deadlines within our days that force us to have to stay on job. Yeah. Because... As you said, most of the time, the reason we're not doing it is we're doing this stupid tasks that may not need to be done at all. We're doing the tasks that they're fun little ones that, that, you know, you could just bunch together at the end of the day. So one of the things that I love uh, for people to be able to do is play around with constrained thinking of bringing your bringing your amount of hours you're going to work per day. And you can just play with this, right? But bringing your uh, amount of hours you're going to allow yourself to work per day down to uh, a lesser amount that it is right now. Yeah. Let's say someone's doing 
uh, nine. Let's let's bring it down to six. Six hours, but not only is it six hours, you're going to actually put them into your calendar. You're going to put 90 minute block here, then you're going to have a bit of a break. 90 minute block here, then you're going to go train. 90 minute block, 90 minute block. So that makes that makes six. So um, you've got these six hours and then you start to put into these blocks the tasks that need to be done. Hopefully, as we said, there's no more than like the big ones that need to be done because now you're looking at your finite time. And the reality is we've always got finite time. Mm. It's just some of the time we don't want to think about that and we don't want to look at our calendar and realize we've got finite time. So we pretend we don't. So now we can look at our finite time and think, shit, I can't do this extra little tweet, you know, but, but it probably wasn't the end of the world anyway. I need to do these big things if I want to get done within this time. And what we start to realize is we can get so much more done in these short bursts. We can really be clear with our active recovery as well, making sure that we're actually refreshing our mind. And I know that's something that you experienced a lot of, of being able to actually get that mind back in action as yeah. opposed to it getting worse over the time. And, and a lot of the time when we're able to do that, we are naturally, without having to go into them all, we're naturally ticking off a lot of the flow triggers um, that are going to get us into flow. And yeah. if we're in flow state, it's going to feel really good. Um, we're going to be more creative and also we're going to be 500% more um, productive. And for, for knowledge workers, which we probably all are in some, mo almost all of the things that we're doing, if we're 500% more productive, we are getting one day. If we're doing five days of work per week, we are getting one week done in one day yeah. in terms of the, the, the productivity. So it's all about creating those constraints and really forcing yourself to have that deadline urgency feeling all the time and committing to things outside of work yeah because most of the time a lot of people they're not they're not rushing because they've not got anything else to do anyway and yeah. they've not got anything else to do after work anyway they feel a bit lost but then it's a vicious cycle because then when it comes to oh i could commit to going salsa dancing they think but I can't because I haven't got time. But the reason they haven't got time is because they haven't committed to the thing outside. Yeah, of the you've world, only right? not got time because you think you haven't. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so it starts to. I don't know if I asked the question because I answered a different one. But um, no, I love that. I love that. I, I think it's a cool. Least. It's a cool way to sort of sum up everything we've talked about. That a lot of peak performance is about challenging the way you think, mm. and then challenging the way you behave within the constraints of your own thoughts. Yeah. One of the one of the things I don't like about the connotations of peak performance is people think it's a better way to plan or a better way to or a little productivity hack. Yeah, hacks or, is gross. Ugh. You know, or or like, oh, do the Pomodoro. Like I actually couldn't give a fuck about productivity. It, it's a byproduct of all the, the deeper work that you're, you you do, right? Like none of that stuff actually matters. Yeah. You don't if, become a world champion by accessing a few hacks on Wikipedia. But right. the funny thing is, everyone, people think that it's it's the game changer, right? They're yeah. like, oh, I need to be better product, need to be more productive, but they don't know why. Yeah, same so in, same in marketing. I need more leads. Yeah. Why do you need more leads? Well, because I'm not making many sales. Oh, so what you mean is you need more sales? Well, yeah, yeah. I need I need more sales. Do you need a, more volume of sales? Do you need more value of sales? Do you need uh, more uh, conversions of sales? And then they're, they're like. Oh shit! I don't know. And it's like, oh right. So you've just made an assumption that you need more leads, and mm. exactly the same with productivity. I'd love to be more productive, right? Okay, what can we help you with? Well, do you have a journal that I can fill in every day to make sure I get shit done? Uh, yeah, I do, but you won't fill it in. Why won't I fill it in? Because based on this thirty-minute conversation we've just had, 
right now you haven't got time to fill that in oh, but i'll make time no you won't and it's like it's really yeah this is it right it's like we need to ask the question if you think you need to be more productive why <laughs> yeah this is the question it's like what do you think is going to happen when you're more productive like what do you want to happen when you're more productive oh, i want to make more money well focus on that and the productivity has to come if that's the thing that yeah that's the thing that happens right one thing i've found and I wonder if you do, you've seen this as well, because I know that you guys are big on purpose and vision mm. and making sure that you're kind of starting with the end in mind. One thing I've found is a lot of the guys that I work with, they incessantly want to do more. They incessantly want to have better performance and, and you know, all of these things and learn more as well because they're lacking meaning a lot of the time. Yeah, And they're often trying to be really, really good at climbing the ladder they're on when the reality is sometimes they actually don't like the ladder they're on at all yeah oh 100 100 so i i'd say 80 percent of the entrepreneurs i meet are creators so they're really they're really enthused by creating stuff mm. and they're always creating new things and most of those things don't get them closer to where they say they want to be they're just creating so they feel busy and they feel productive because oh, i've created this and then i've created that I've created a new lead magnet and I've got 20 others in the drawer that I did last week. And uh, and when you get into it, they're creating all this stuff to fill a gap because they lack meaning. So there's that huge gap in the middle of their life and they're filling it with all this shit that they're creating. And a lot of the stuff they create is really good, but no one needs it because they're just creating it for the sake of it. And I, I, yeah, 80% of the entrepreneurs I meet do that. They'll get to the, like, ent- like an entrepreneurial trait that I see all the time is they'll crack the system they'll figure out the way to get their business to work and then they'll go and do something else so rather because it's boring to sit there and actually then just feed the fire and keep it burning is is the world's most boring task they don't get to create anymore so they'll they go and create something else and then they fuck that up and then they go and create something else and it's it's fascinating do you, do you think that's because they built something that that wasn't aligned with what they truly wanted because they didn't think or is it just a case of being okay with the boredom um sometimes it is aligned but they don't they don't have the ability to create the situation where someone else is then the person that stokes the fire for the next 20 years Mm. they don't want to give it up but they do want to create something else so that that's tricky uh sometimes yeah they just did it because they thought it's what their dad wanted them to do when they were a child or or whatever it might be uh and in some cases, they do it because they think society is telling them to do it. And and then in other cases, they genuinely are serial entrepreneurs and they want to create, create and create, but they're forgetting to build the structure underneath to allow it to then flourish. Yeah, because I, I ask and I'm smiling because I, that's exactly what I did with the fitness business. Yeah. You know, I got it to the point where I was like, okay, this is flying now. And then uh, fell off. But, but for me, I believe it was because as I said, I was I was rigid and I built it on insecurities as opposed to mm. the actual gift and the impact that I wanted to have on the world. Right? So hard to delegate when you've built something on insecurity because, <laughs> well, because yeah. the anxiety of it going wrong is so high. You're yeah. giving it to someone else. You're like you're passing them a poison chalice. Yeah, it comes back to it comes back to the rigidity again, right? You've built this to this point from just being obsessed because you're so worried about it not working how is you're, you're so worried at that point to rock the boat 
you yeah. can't delegate or you do delegate and then you're fully micromanaging them and you've you've got more hands to worry about now so it's actually harder and more time consuming and it starts to blow your fucking mind that they might do a better job than you as well yeah yeah because <laughs> that plays with all sorts of insecurities then that you, you've built this thing it was your idea but someone might do it better than you that that's a whole nother kettle of fish which is actually the perfect <laughs> scenario if you yeah. if you find someone that wants to be employed but can do your job better than you can perfect but if you've built the business on insecurities in the first place you'll hate that person mm, it's not good for the insecure mind so i've got two final questions they're completely random one one's quite sensible one uh we ask every guest and it's just for me really um the first question is what's the best mistake you've ever made hmm. the best mistake i ever made i'll probably answer this probably how a lot of people probably answer it and it's like it's a mistake but it's not if you get what i mean yeah looking back on my life now i and and, and actually looking back on a lot of the people that was you know looking after me and you know all of that kind of stuff parents and things like that when i was growing up one thing that i did to get me out of this hole of meaninglessness and of, of feeling like I was never going to amount to anything was I just got super fucking obsessed. Um, and it was, as we've already talked about, it was probably based on insecurities as well. Um, and it was probably one dimensional and maybe not that healthy. But my, my, my first obsession was health and bodybuilding, mainly bodybuilding. I didn't care about the health at that point. I cared about looking good. And I got fucking obsessed with it, obsessed. Um, every When I'm eating, when I'm whatever, I'm, I'm learning. I'm putting thousands into learning about this stuff and I'm going all the way in. I'm training for three hours a day, which is stupid, but mm. you know, that's what I was doing. And I'm fully obsessed. I remember, because I was only young, my my mum my, my saying, uh, and my granny as well saying, this, you're never going to be able to like keep this up. Like you, you, you're, you're being too obsessed. You need to go and start making some money and, you know, when you've got a real job, you're not going to be able to like put so much into this. And I never got a real job because that became my job anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so, but I got so obsessed. And now looking back, I, I don't care about that. I don't care about the looking good and the abs or any like or anything like that anymore. So it could be easily seen as a mistake, but that led me on to now being obsessed with something all the time. And now I look back and I think the reason why I'm very good at being able to help people in the, the areas that I do is because I have got so obsessed of on different topics and gone all in and gone all in on my own and gone all in on the people that I'm helping with as well that I just I, I've got this uh, beautiful array of knowledge in different areas that I'm able to kind of join the dots within you know yeah it might look like a waste of time but actually I believe now it's the thing that was able to break me out of kind of mediocrity and of just you know having nothing to offer and and slowly that's starting to change yeah yeah and i think when you can attach that obsession with purpose that's an absolute weapon like mm. that there's a there's there's probably only a handful of people i know who can ever get into an obsessed state anyway cup and then couple that with i only know a handful of people who have real purpose and i maybe know one or two that have both mm. and that that yeah that's a recipe well yeah that's 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 the 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 kind of the equation when i look for purpose the the simple equation that i believe starts to build it up is when we can use our greatest strengths so our character strengths from positive psychology and we can use our passions 
which is an intrinsic motivator yeah. to solve a problem in the world that's dear to our heart. When we can do, when we can have these two things and it, and it helps towards these, this problem in the world that we care about a lot, we're stacking so many intrinsic motivators on top of, uh, of each other and strengths on top of each other. We become very, very, very hard to beat. Yeah. Love that. Very skilled in the last question. Easy one. I hope what's your favorite film and why? I don't watch films. <laughs> oh, come on. Like I've got I've got a job application out at the moment actually, a job a job on the website and uh, someone's actually replied to that question because we asked that on the application form. I don't like films. I was like, what a fucking stupid answer. So I'm not letting you get away with that. You've seen well, a, I tell you, you've seen a film before. Yeah, I I do. Yeah, I tell you what. I don't get I don't have favorite films. I find it too hard, but I'll tell you actually I'll tell you my go-to answer for this. The reason I don't like it is because I haven't watched it for a very, very long time. Because I only ever watch a film once. I don't understand. Okay. I don't get people that watch films multiple times. I think it's weird. Um, the Butterfly Effect. Have you ever seen it? Oh, nice. Nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that film. I love the thought. I just love the concept. One tiny little thing changes everything yeah. in your own life. You know, the excitement of that. And uh, yeah. And I remember liking the film at least. But the concept's the main thing that I like about it. Yeah, and it's a, it's a real concept, right? That the consequence yeah. of one tiny thing has a domino effect on everything. Yeah, and you I, see that repeat itself all the time. That that, it's, that is it's a thing. Inescapable. Every tiny little action. It's it's exciting. What's your favorite film? I know you probably answered this one before. But... Yeah, a few people have asked back. So my favorite film is called A Place Beyond the Pines, and it's uh, a film in two parts. So the first half tracks two blokes and their actions one's a police officer one's not and the second half it flips forward in time and their their two sons have grown up and it's about the consequences of their dad's actions and how it's then impacted their lives and how they can either basically become a victim of their their father's behavior or sort their shit out and you Think know it you, you know in me you'll understand why that might be my favorite film yeah yeah, I think I watched that actually, but my girlfriend got bored once. Ryan Gosling was off the screen, and uh, we turned it off. Yeah, Ryan Gosling, Bradley Cooper, and it's long so, and it's slow. Yeah. So, so I watched the first half. I, I got like one of the films I didn't get the main part because we had to. Start yeah, off. yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so yeah, when it when he's not in it much anymore, it's a very different story. <laughs> but um, yeah. but like it's just a fascinating way to make a film in in the first place. It's like brave, mm. and and I think I don't think it commercially did very well because of that but the like i think a lot of people can relate to kind of the sins of the father will visit the son type analogy yeah yeah louis you've been an awesome guest what's the best way for people to reach out to you thank you very much so best way to contact me or, or stay in my world is instagram uh louis joe calvert l-o-u-i-s-j-o-e-c-a-l-v-e-r-t in there uh, best way to really stay in contact is my email list where I do daily emails on peak performance, business and, and um, psychology. So you can sign up there or just follow the Instagram and we'll have a little chat over there. Wicked. Thank you very much, guys. And thank you so much for having me on. Thanks for being an awesome guest. 